And this morning, we're actually finishing our Centered Sermon series, this series that we've said we've been journeying on for 18 months, slowly working through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew's Gospel, that these are the teachings of Jesus, that this is the place where you find them kind of brought together in their best form, that in the season that we've felt we've been in, not just as a church, but culturally, globally, that it has actually been really important for ourselves to be focused on the person and the words of Jesus. So we've journeyed slowly through this, and we come to the closing verses this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'll invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this passage this morning really sums up, I guess, our heart, our attitude of why we came to Jesus' sermon. And he starts with these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That Jesus is saying that through his words, through his sermon, that he is offering us a life, a way of wisdom, of maturity, a life that is built on solid foundation, a rock. It is available and there is a guarantee that everyone who hears Jesus' teaching, his leading, his guiding, and puts it into practice will find the safety, the security, this house that stays solid. And then we get these heartening verses of the rain comes, the streams rise, the winds blow, blow. There's almost this promise that, hey, even for a mature, well-formed disciple, You do not avoid the pain, the struggle, the heartache of life. That the promise is that it actually comes to all of us. It doesn't remove that. And actually, as we've thought about this series, the heart of it has been that as we've looked to the world around us, we've seen actually there's probably been some storms. There have been some storms. Globally, locally, politically, socially, and actually for a lot of us deeply, personally, There have been some storms that have come and battered our lives. There's been some rain, some wind, some rising waters. And the invitation has been in this, that to examine our lives, that in the midst of storms, they actually reveal what our life is founded on. They reveal our level of formation and actually our method of formation. that actually we can't blame the state of our faith on the external world. 
that this has happened, that's why my faith looks like this. And actually that invitation is that a storm season is actually a gift. That when it's nice summer days, when life is going easily, it's a lot harder to diagnose the true state of our discipleship, of our faith. How safe and secure our house is, we don't sometimes know. That actually, you might have to call in some experts to diagnose the state of your foundations when there's no storms. It's hard to tell. But after a storm, everyone can see which house had the good foundations and which house had the bad foundations. It's evident for all. So the invitation in this season is to examine, it's a lot easier to examine actually how well are we formed into the image of Christ. What are our lives built on? Because as we even looked at last week, Jesus uses an image again of there's two kinds of people. There's two builders, there's two houses, there's two foundations, there's one situation that hits all of them and we get two different results. The other result is this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. That it's possible to have our lives founded on sand, on this thing that's actually not going to stand up, it's not going to sustain, it's not going to keep us strong in the hard seasons of life. And I think for many of us, as we've reflected through these past couple of years, it's probably revealed for some of us things that we've put our faith and our hope and our trust and our foundation in that weren't as safe and secure as we thought. And they could be ways of doing faith even. That for some of us, our lives have been anchored in like, I've just got to understand the word. I've just got to go to scripture. I've just got to read that, memorize it, get everything that's in there. And yet, as we've known it back to front, we have actually haven't seen any life transformation come. We've just been absorbing information. That as we've known scripture deeply, our friends, our family would say, well, he's still, she's still the same grumpy person that they've always been. They're actually, man, they're in the word, but like hard stuff comes and they're still as bad as at handling it as everyone else around them. That it actually hasn't brought life transformation. For some of us, our faiths are based on these worship experiences, these like emotional moments of singing songs together. Maybe it's in Sunday worship. Maybe it's in worship nights, worship gatherings, going to conferences. These experiences have actually been the foundation of our faith. And in a COVID world where a lot of that stuff's been cancelled, Spotify and YouTube don't quite cut it. And it's been revealed like, oh, my faith is based on something that I couldn't get in this season. And now I'm feeling a bit shaky. For some of us, our faith has been based on just helping God. Like, what can I do to help God, to help people? That is how I'll build my faith. Your life is orientated on what you can do for God. And in this season, it's been a lot harder to help people. Like, practical reasons to help people, but also we've had less resources ourselves. 
that as we've gone to help others realize, man, I don't have as much to offer as I thought. I don't have the energy, the opportunities, the resources. And as we see from our passage that we looked at last week, actually, if we're just doing good things for God, we're missing what he's actually after. For some of us, our faith in this season has been revealed to just be about social, about friendships, maybe close friendships and people you connect with. But actually, it's no different from any other social club. These aren't friendships necessarily where Christ is the foundation. They're actually the season where it's been harder to gather and be together as people. It's been like this moment of a party where everyone else is left and it's just you and Jesus and you realize, this is just awkward. I don't actually know him and he doesn't actually know me. I didn't realize that when the room was full, but now everyone's gone. It's just me and him. Oh, no. And actually, for some people, I think this is maybe a subcategory of this, of like, your faith has actually not been your own. It's been an inherited faith that you have yet to own as your own. Maybe it's your parents and your upbringing, that they had this great, solid foundation of faith, and you've just kind of been living off that. You have yet to have actually established it as your own. For me, when I was in youth ministry, and actually the youth ministry around this place is a space where the goal is actually young people owning that faith for themselves, getting their own solid foundation, not just thinking, oh, my parents, I've got it because they've got it. This place where we get this foundation, this rock. And I think all of these things, like scripture, worship, experiences, community, these social things, serving, are good things. But I think we can go about these things in a way that forms a foundation of sand. We're not actually being obedient to Christ, to Jesus. Our faith is built on these shaky things, and it's been revealed. And I think this is something that is not new, I've been reading in the last couple of months around in the early church, there were these bunch of people, men and women, who realized that the church was giving into the culture around them. And so they pulled themselves out into the desert, and they're known as the desert fathers and mothers. And in the desert, they would live in huts, and they would spend their life in prayer and worship and work for God. And in this time in the desert, they experienced common temptations, like Jesus' temptations in the desert, they experienced temptations. And these temptations became known as the seven deadly sins. That people would, some, you kind of experienced some of them, but there was one common one that everyone experienced. And it was this temptation of acedia, is what it's known as. It was later translated as sloth. And it was known as the noonday devil. That in the spiritual life of these desert fathers and mothers, they'd have their day planned out, and in the morning, they'd wake up with the sunrise and pray. At the evening, it would be fantastic. But the hardest part of the day was in the middle of the day, where the sun was right over you, and it just felt like it was moving so slowly. The hours just dragged, and it was the time where you're called to just sit in your hut and pray. 
and their temptation was to do anything but pray. That you'd maybe for some people would be like, oh, this is so long, this is so slow, this is so hot, actually, I just need to take a nap. just need a rest. For some people, it was actually like, let's just go do some chores, get some stuff done for the day. Maybe it's, let's go into town and help some poor people. The temptation was to do anything but pray. That acedia, the sloth, is not a laziness, but it's an avoidance or a running away from what Christ is actually calling you to do. And externally, they might seem like good things. For some of us, the temptation to this is laziness, but some of us it looks like busyness and hurry, running around avoiding the one thing that Christ is calling us to. And what it leads to, someone I was reading this week described it as this, acedia is a gloomy combination of weariness, sadness, and a lack of purposefulness. Acedia is experienced by countless modern people who describe their condition as melancholy, burnt out, or even midlife crisis. I would say that's probably pretty accurate for a whole, a whole lot of people in our world are feeling. Running around trying to do everything, yet running away from the one thing that God is calling them to do. So how do we not give in to this temptation to build our lives, to construct our lives on other things? And I think this comes down to how we understand what it means to be a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Christ. Because I think these terms that we use can sometimes be unhelpful because they bring with them a whole lot of assumptions and often it's about a just like we've just got to get the right ideas, the right information in our heads. And maybe not just in our heads, maybe it's we get to get it also into our hearts and feel it and then we'll be good. The problem with this is we can end up just running to courses and conferences but not getting transformed lives. A more helpful way to understand of what it means to be a follower of Christ is actually a, like when this term used in scripture, another way to translate it can be apprentice, that we, would be, that we would apprentice ourselves to Jesus, or Jesus would call us to be his apprentices under him. That our default mindset of discipleship can so easily reflect a university context. If we come and we sit in a lecture and we listen to Jesus and he tells us good things, and that's how we learn and grow. Yet, I think we're called instead to come under a carpenter who teaches us how carpenters teach in that way is apprenticeship. That our learning is always embodied and practiced in a way that's led closely by the one who is showing us the way. I think we can use this language of apprenticeship if we imagine other areas where we apprentice under someone and how it would go if we did it any other way. Like we can think about building, like the image here is builders. If we've got two people in the room who we're thinking, which one do I want to get to build me a house? On one hand, you've got someone who's read all the books, watched all the YouTube tutorials, maybe watched all of the seasons of the block and grand designs, 
like has been learning hard. Not just for like, I've watched a few things this week, I've gone down to rabbit holes, but I've spent like weeks or months or years or decades like learning this stuff. And then you've got someone who's got like learnt this stuff but has actually been on the tools, on the job site, under a builder, actually putting this stuff into practice. Actually, some of the job he's done hundreds or she's done hundreds or thousands of times practice this stuff. Who would you want building your house? The block expert or the one who's actually been on the tools practicing the stuff? I think we can think the same for some of us around here who are in the medical field of two people in a room one who's read all the anatomy textbooks, all the medical textbooks, front to back, maybe has binged all the seasons of Grey's Anatomy in New Amsterdam, (laughs) and one who has not only studied and read all the information, but has actually done this apprenticeship, this residency, actually has practiced this stuff. And I reckon if you get builders or doctors, if you get two people in a room talking to them, you're probably going to get good conversation out of both. And you may not even be able to tell the difference if you're a novice and you don't know that area yourself. The one with actually just the information may seem more confident even because they've read all the stuff, they know how it should go. Yet, in a medical emergency, who would you want in the room to run to you? The one who said, don't worry, I've dealt with this hundreds, thousands of times. I know how this goes, I know how this works, or the one who's just saw it and read about it. Who do you want to come to you? And I think as we think about discipleship, I think it it works the same way. That I think for us the illusion is that on nice days that we think we're rational beings who work off our best information but when the storm comes, we realize actually how we work and where our foundation really is. We all imagine when the struggle comes, our default will be turning to God. When the storms come, we'll pray, we'll fast, we'll turn to community, but I think a lot of us have found that actually our default postures have been to numbing and avoiding to running away from conflict, to trying to put band-aids over things. Yet Jesus is teaching us a different way. And his teaching here isn't actually in line with Jewish wisdom. That true understanding of something involves response. That even in Exodus, when God spoke with Moses and he shared the law with the people, their response to the law was not, we get it, we understand. Their response was, everything the Lord has said we will do. To truly understand is to understand the implications and to respond. James gives this powerful image of what hearing but, what, but not doing achieves for us. And he says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That actually, something of just getting the information, the ideas, is not enough. That there's this image of, we don't just forget what we're learning, we forget who we are. That if we're not practicing, we forget something of our identity in Christ. It doesn't take root within us. That if, we, if Jesus is calling us to these things, if Jesus is speaking to us and we don't respond, we lose something of who we are in him. And Matthew, at the end of Matthew's gospel, as Jesus finishes his earthly ministry and leaves his disciples, he leaves them with these words that are known as the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the, then this, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That to be disciples is to listen to the words of Jesus. Yes, we need to do that. But then to outwork them, to practice them. That this invitation has been there throughout the sermon. That the kind of people who follow Christ are those who are poor in spirit, who are meek, who are mourned who mourn, these are the kind of people who know their foundation can't be anywhere else. People who pray, who fast, who give, who forgive, because they know they form these, these practices form us as a people who continually go to God and want to follow him, receive his grace, that he is our foundation, not anything else. And this invitation and our ability to be this apprentice of Christ is this beautiful gift of grace. That Christ is present with us, teaching, leading us. God's patience, love, kindness, gentleness is there, giving us all we need for this journey. The question really is, do we just hear this invitation or will we actually respond and continue to respond? That throughout the sermon, Jesus has taught us what it means to be a follower of Christ. Will we hear those words or will we actually also put them into practice? As Jesus leads us in our lives, as we go to prayer, as we talk with faith and community, as God reveals stuff to us, do we actually embody that and practice that? Or is it just about ideas and discussion? Because if it's not embodied and practiced, if we don't respond to Christ, Jesus says our lives aren't based on anything. Not anything that's going to hold up when the storms hit, when hard stuff comes. And he closes with... and. The Sermon on the Mount closes with these words. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. 
that there's something that is clearly unique about Jesus' teaching, Jesus' guiding of us. That even the Sermon on the Mount, thousands of years later, is still regarded as profound moral teaching. Like this is held up. He talks about teachers of the Lord. I don't know. Does any of you know any teachers of the law wisdom that's stayed for 2,000 years? Yet Jesus' teaching has held. Nothing else compares to it. And here Jesus' teaching holds because he taught with authority. He taught the truth and he embodied the truth. And the invitation this morning for us, I want us to examine each of us, our own lives, through these past few years, what have the storms revealed? What does your faith look like coming out of the last few years? What is your faith looking right now? When the storms of life have come, what have they revealed? For some of us, some people, I know it's been good. It's been reassuring. The storms have come and it's been like, oh, I held up. Those practices, those ways of following Christ that I've been doing for years, for decades, I never knew if they really were good. But man, the storms came and they have held me through. My obedience to Christ has held me through that. And this season has been, I think there's an invitation to see it as a real encouragement. Continue on in that. Continue pressing into Christ. For some of us, maybe more of us, actually this has been a season where we've realized we're a little more fragile than we may be expected. Our faith is a little more fragile. It's founded maybe on things that we didn't realize, and it's a bit crumbly. And lastly, for some of us, I wonder if our house is sitting in ruin. The storms have come. The winds have come. The rains have come. The, wi- the water has risen, and you realized, oh man, this was all built on sand all along. I didn't live a life listening to and following where Christ was leading, and it's showing its effects right now. And I think the invitation this morning is, okay, that's like, let's start from there. The storm has come and revealed. Let's now set some good foundations. I want to invite the band up this morning as I close. Jesus in the section of his, as he closes the sermon says, Don't just listen to good wisdom, my good teaching. Don't just listen. You have to put it into practice, embody it. That's how we not just remember it, but become his followers, his people more and more. This morning I wonder if there's some of us who feel like, yeah, my faith has not been as my foundation has not been where it should have been. I may be feeling a bit shaky. Maybe it's feeling, actually, it's really knocked me. And you know what the invitation from Jesus is? Come, follow, listen. I want to teach you. I want to guide you. And I want you to put that into practice. That's how we get a good foundation. Not by doing more, achieving more, but being faithful to what Christ has called us to. 
So I invite you to stand as I close in prayer. And if for you this morning, if it's felt like actually I'm feeling a bit shaky, I want to invite you as maybe a first step of responding to Jesus, of like, Christ, I'm feeling shaky. I want my foundation to be on following you and your words. Maybe a first step of that this morning is just coming forward and receiving some prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, Lord, I thank you that you are a God who does not leave us or forsake us, who does not leave us to figure out faith and life by ourselves, Lord. But in your goodness, in your generosity, in your grace, you lead us, you guide us. Lord, help us to be a people who are faithful to not just hear those words, but to be a people who follow, who apprentice, who come under you, Lord Jesus who trust what you are saying is the only way to a house that will survive, to a life, to a faith that will survive the storms. Lord, may you build us into a people whose foundations are built on the rock. In your name, Lord Jesus.
Well, thanks for listening. We hope this teaching has served you well and that you've sent something of God's voice speaking to you. If there's any way that we can help or pray for you, support you in any way, we'd love to be able to do that. You can find out our contact info on our website at thewellnz.org or flick us an email at support at thewellnz.org. God bless you. We look forward to hearing from you soon.